Morning, church. Glad we're here together. Good. If you turn to Matthew 19, we'll be looking there. But let me just get us in context of Matthew in general. Uh, The context of Matthew, we're thinking about ministry. We're here in ministry in Judea at this point in 19. And Jesus is doing some work publicly. Crowds have come to him. Then privately has a moment with the Pharisees and with his own disciples. And then it kind of moves public again as people bring the children. So that's where we are in 19. Previously before that, we were looking at ministry. And we're thinking about his ministry or he did ministry in Galilee. And now here we are. And there was a similar public-private thing happening there as well. By the context of our church life... We've been thinking about ministry and as one of the five core M's of a healthy functioning church. Firstly, if we're on mission, uh, out there reaching people, our membership will be growing. People will be finding out where they fit in the body of Christ and becoming members. And they'll be maturing and, and actually growing and, and, and finding out where they can serve, uh, which will be ministry which we're focused on for 2022 and then if we're doing that then we're actually bringing honor and glory and we're magnifying his holy name Um, so thinking of those five m's but particularly thinking of ministry at this point in time so last week if you were here we did ministry of marriage and we did ministry of singleness now i got extra feedback from last week there was god's providence there was a fair few extra single people here and got to hear some of their thoughts and their reflections. But I want to give you an opportunity, maybe if you weren't here, that's okay. Ask someone who was, what, who was here, they could share something with you. But let me just tell you a stat quickly before you start that. The National Church Life Survey, NCLIS, tells us that our church, uh, when, we, when they did that early in the year, there was 71% of us are currently married. So you can work out the math of those that are single. Two people are about to change that stat aren't they? And we'll be celebrating with them uh, next uh, Saturday coming. So the statistic will change. But I want to give you a chance just to share with people who are with you, maybe something that really stood out to you about ministry of marriage or the ministry of singleness. Take a moment now. I'm going to take a moment to move up to here because that's helpful for some other people in church life. Go for it. Do you need more time? No, you're right. Ready to go? Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing and taking the opportunity to share. And thank you for those that are joining us online as well. Today we're going to focus on ministry, but ministry to the marginalized. And we'll be looking at that in Matthew 19, where we'll see that with children. And we'll see that in chapter 20, where we see that with people who are vision impaired, two blind men. And Mary, thank you for retelling those stories. But we'll start with ministry to the young people, but I'm going to pray for us right now, because whenever we open the Word of God, this is a serious business we do. Uh, It's a serious business in hearing from Him, in, in preaching His Word as well. So let's pray to our living God as we receive His living Word. Lord God, we want to still our hearts before You and thank You that You're a God who speaks. And we ask now that you'll help us to be 
ones who hear and receive what you have for us. May your spirit work mightily in us to uh, remove distraction and to hear your soul, solely your voice, uh, to put aside the things that are going on for this long weekend and to give our thought and attention to you. Lord God, help us. Holy Spirit, work in us and teach us the things that you want us to know. And we ask and pray this in our Saviour Jesus' name. Amen. Well, starting with ministry to young people, and I'm going to read that for us. It's in the outline or handout that you have with us, and there's a handout which might help, or if you're a note taker, there's a space for you to do that as well. Very short story, but catch it in three verses. Let's read it. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Pretty short story, isn't it? But I want you to capture and think a little bit of what's happening at that time and get your head in the zone. Children of the day are being pushed to the side on this occasion by the disciples, the twelve. It's very different, I suppose, to children of our day. Uh, they're really pushed to the centre, aren't they? And become, or oh, sometimes the whole world revolves around them, it seems, isn't it, these days? As things have changed, the tides have turned, and from generation to generation it does. Because children used to be seen, but not. All oh, right, you all know that. <laughs> well, now you still see them, and now you don't hear them because they've got things in their ears. And they're listening to something else. Or maybe they don't hear us. Times change, don't they? And generations uh, flex and, and things change. Sometimes, I suppose, in different occasions, we can think that children should be excluded. But I, I, I watched recently The Chosen and go to Series 1, Episode 3, and you'll see the story of Jesus and loves the children, I think it's titled. Jesus loves the little children. And it's this beautiful depiction of what might have happened with Jesus and a bunch of children. There's a whole episode on it. Episode, um, series 1, Episode 3. I encourage you and endorse that to you, the Chosen series. Uh, the app's free, download it, and someone has paid for you to watch it. So go there. Um, children, uh, the insignificant followers maybe in Matthew because we met them a little bit earlier in chapter 18. In chapter 18, that's ministry in where? Galilee. It's in that time before. Ministry in Judea is a short time, but ministry in Galilee is a longer time and it's privately when he's with his, with his um, disciples just. And it's that interesting bit where we get the idea of having a guardian angel. And we're reminded there that the Father wills not to lose one of these little ones. So Jesus is teaching his disciples and he says about the children and he says you've got to change and become like one of these little children if you're going to enter the kingdom because there's a humbleness about children 
There's a dependence that children have that we need if we're going to be part of God's kingdom. And Jesus says there, you welcome them, you welcome me because that's where my heart's at. And he says, woe to the people, whoever, whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble. That's where he says that at that point in Matthew 18. Then here in in chapter 19, he's laying his hands, uh, people are bringing to him and he's laying his hands on them or people want them to lay his hands on them. And it's not just to hold them still. It's not... If I get your, my hands on you, this is because people want their children to be blessed. They want Jesus to pray over their children. And they think they should bring him to him. So are you catching the scene? You're picking up? Jewish, there's a Jewish custom that I, I read about on the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, children through to 1 to 12 can be brought to uh, the, the, the priests and they lay their hands on them and pray over them. And I think there's a, a beautiful tradition that happens as well in the Shabbat and um, the, the Friday night gathering going into the Sabbath where they, the father of the house prays over the children. And so there's these beautiful traditions that I think um, come out of this and have been kept. So here's maybe a little bit of what's going on as that happens. But then there's this rebuking thing happening goes on. This is, this is an interesting thing, an interesting interaction. Now, when the 12 rebuke the uh, people bringing the children, what tone do you think they did that in? Okay, tell someone next to you, what tone did they do it in? <laughs> what tone do you think they did it in? It's interesting to think about, isn't it? And the whole idea of the word rebuke, um, how it might come across. In Matthew 19, it's the disciples rebuking people for bringing children. In chapter 20, interestingly, we see rebuking happening as well, but it is the crowds are rebuking the two blind men. In Matthew 4, uh, sorry, in Mark 4, we see Jesus rebuking. Do you know what he's rebuking in Mark 4? The wind and the waves. Commanding them to be still and stop. What tone did he do that in? (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting to think about, isn't it? Well, here in in, in Mark 10, that's the parallel passage to 19, Matthew 19. In Mark 10, we're told that uh, the disciples are rebuking, the twelve are rebuking, and Jesus gets indignant. He gets angry about it. And so, what tone is he maybe speaking in as he says this? Jesus says, don't forbid them. This is a correcting tone with firmness. And like we learn in all the scriptures, is God breathed? And as we he's learned from 2 Timothy 3, Jesus' words and the scriptures are for teaching, they're for rebuking, they're for correcting, they're for training. 
And so here is this situation going on. Jesus' ministry here in Galilee and his ministry here now in Judea, he's asserting that children are important and have an important place. And the attitude of the 12 at the time towards the children were wrong and it needed correction, firm correction. And so he places his hands on them and he prays for them and then he goes on, simply how it ends. And so I want us to move on to, as well, as we think about applying that at ABCH and how we think after children, how we treat children. Our foster families, uh, um, and and the Hayes still here with us, and the Hayes here with us today, it's great to see, have looked after some of these little ones, which is great witness and testimony, I think. Our Mums Connect group, we have lots of uh, young little kids come at that time, and it is a real joy to see how many have been here of recently, little ones. Our creche, our little ones, we want a safe environment for them and want to, you know, make sure they're... In a, in a comfortable space, in a safe space. Our kids' church, we want them to be learning in an appropriate age setting and, and in a fun way. We want them to be enjoying that. And our youth, as they gathered here on Friday night, one of them had turned 16. We want them too uh, in their age-specific programs as well. What's that saying? Well, we think kids are important, don't we? We think young people are important and we want to actually invest in them and we want to show that they are important. But we also want them to hear that when they're in big church with us. Hence, it's important for them to be down the front and telling them stories at other times and doing songs which they relate with in big church here. And we do want them to know it's a delight when we see them. So look delighted when you see them next, all right? And when you hear them, embrace that. Yes, they need to know that there is appropriate time for them to be heard more and more. And when they get it wrong, let's be gracious with them. In our church, a national church life survey for our church life here, there was another 71% stat. You know what it said? That 71% of our children agree that filled in the form said that I know that Jesus is very close to me. Isn't that beautiful? That they identified with that. I know that Jesus is very close with me. 71% of them. But there's a whole lot of children and there's a whole lot of young people who don't know that in our schools and in this region, in our area. They need to know that. Do they know that Jesus has time for them? Do they know that they're significant and important? Well, that's what we're trying to do in Scripture reaching in our schools. That's what we're trying to do with area, as Bruce does that. That's what we're endeavouring to do. But bring it back to us and us as individuals, but us as a community as we think about ministry to young people. How are kids included or how are kids excluded? in your thinking, in your attitude. And what does Jesus want us to hear about this here now? What does Jesus want you to hear here? What does he want me to hear here? What does he want us to hear? 
I'm going to give us a moment of being still and I'll encourage you to close your eyes because that will probably help you concentrate on that the most. To hear the voice of Jesus and what he is saying to you, what he might be saying to us as a church. So take that moment and I'm going to pray, but just be still and listen for his voice. What he might be addressing in an attitude in our heart, attitude in our actions. Lord Jesus, you said, let the little children come to me. And we want your attitude. We want your heart for young people. And Lord, if there's things that you need to correct in us that you've just shown us by your Spirit, help us to be brave enough to follow that. Help us to be even brave enough to share that with one another and what work you're doing in our life and in our hearts at this time. And Lord God, if there's things that you need to show us as a collective, as a church, make that abundantly clear as we share with one another over morning tea and over this next period of time. And we ask and pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus prayed over the, pe- uh, the, over the children and then he moved on. That's how the story finishes. And I'm going to move us on as we move to thinking about what we might call mercy ministries. And so flick over a chapter if you're looking in Bible or look down further if you've got that printed out for you. And we follow on the story as we see Jesus' ministry to the marginalised as he meets two vision-impaired people. And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered sight, and they followed him. Another short story, but it's filled with lots of good stuff, isn't it? And I want us to think after it for a little while as well. Jericho, to start with, just to get you in context, it's the lowest city on earth. No, literally. (laughs) Um, It is down near the Dead Sea. And I think it is also the oldest living city or the oldest city that's still surviving. The two blind men, well, uh, we learn about at least one of them in Luke and and Mark. They uh, only focus in on one of them. And Mark names them Bartimaeus, you might remember, blind Bartimaeus. And so you can look at that in Mark 10 if you want. But think about a blind person's plight in the first century. What's life like? Think about what happens and how you get by. There's no NDIS. Thankfully, we have that in Australia. There's no optometrist. That's where we get the Greek word for eye from. There's, well, if you want work 
I suppose you can do some work if you're able to do that sitting still and, and maybe with your hands and knowing what you've de- been done before or you've done something before. For food, well, in an aggregate society where you work and you need your eyes to see where you're going and what you're doing, no machinery, obviously, the manual labour, you need to be up to see, so that makes it difficult. Getting to the toilet, well, that's even difficult. Getting to up to Jerusalem, where lots of people are going, you need someone to guide you there. Life in the first century would have been very different to our day for people with different abilities. A little bit earlier in Matthew 9, there is a twin story to this. There's two blind men there as well. The twin story is he actually heals them privately and he says to them, don't go and tell people this publicly. (laughs) Guess what they did? Word got out. But you know what they said, the two blind men at the time in chapter 9? They say exactly the same words. Have mercy on us, son of David. So the news got out, news spread. Here we are in chapter 20. And these blind men down in Jericho are calling out, Son of David, have mercy on us. Have mercy upon us. Well, back in uh, the start of the gospel, we're told that Jesus is the son of David and we get the genealogy. The chapter after this, or the very few verses after 20 and 21, Jesus is entering into Jerusalem. And what are people saying there? They're saying, Hosanna to the son of David. So we're getting this idea of the son of David. This is the Isaiah from, um, from Isaiah, the Messiah from Isaiah. It rhymes well, doesn't it, that? And they are calling out on his name, son of David. This is uh, highly motivated for them because they've heard about what Jesus has been doing. And they've been informed, the, the word has spread, and so the stakes are high, so their volume gets louder. The idea of mercy. What is mercy? It's having pity upon someone and their situation and circumstances. Having a heart response to someone in their situation. Probably one of the best examples is Les Mis or Les Miserables. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Uh, it is the, is it a novel as well? It's a musical definitely and it's a movie. Um, you can pick which one you like. Who, who, who's the readers here? Hands up if you're a reader. Who would pick out of the three uh, a musical or a movie? So we'll start with number one. Who would go for the book? Hands up. Okay, here we go, musical. Oh, look at all those cultured people. Hey, David, you, you're not that cultured, are you? <laughs> and thirdly, who would go for the movie? That would be me. The visual people, yep. Maybe lazy, they call us. <laughs> uh, well, I think there's a great depiction in, in that story. And if you don't know the story, let me catch you up quickly. It's about the French peasants, one on marginalised because he stole for his family. And ended up under the authorities, being taken in by a Christian man. A Christian man who was a bishop, I believe. Anyway, story goes on as Jean Valjean uh, 
actually takes off with some of the silverware, maybe thinking that he can help his family again. The authorities catch up with him. He is brought back to the bishop with the authorities, with the silverware on him. And there's a great point of mercy here and grace. And I think these are great examples, so let me just tell them quickly. There's mercy shown to him because the authorities thinking that this man is going to actually pay for his crime now. The bishop does something amazingly to show mercy on him and doesn't dob him in for actually stealing the silverware. Has mercy upon this man, stolen again. He's, He's desperate and he sees and he has pity upon him again. And so he doesn't turn him into the authorities who are there with him. You know what he does? He goes and gets some more of the silverware, and this is grace, and comes back and gives it to him and says, you forgot to take this. That's a story of mercy and grace. Are you capturing them? Mercy, pity upon the situation, and he doesn't face the punishment. Grace, something he doesn't preserve, poured on top of that, and he goes away with the silverware. His life changed after that significantly. And these two men's lives changed as well as they met Jesus and as their voices got louder. And so they call out to him. But the ministry of Jesus shows mercy upon the marginalized and shows grace on those who don't deserve and those he gives them better than they actually deserve. Have mercy upon me, a sinner. It's one of the mantras that the saints of old have used and at different prayers, and maybe it's a prayer that you can use or a time that you can meditate on. Have mercy upon me, a sinner. Because that is calling out for Jesus, the one who paid the debt he he didn't know for ones who could never pay the debt. He is the one who has done that upon the cross. He is the one who has had mercy upon souls and upon your poor soul. And he is the one who has actually lavished grace upon us as well. Given us his spirit when we come to him. Given us a future. Given us a chance to follow him. Given us new life in him. And given us eternal life. That's grace. Isn't it poured upon us? And his grace keeps coming upon us as we get up this morning and have another breath and have another day upon with His grace and His mercy which can be poured upon us. Do you know what He asked the man? What did He he ask the man? What do you want me to do? Strange question, isn't it? Isn't it obvious? Doesn't Jesus know what He wants them to do? Isn't it obvious these guys are kind of feeling around? Why does He ask that? It's a very empowering thing that he does here. And it's a very, he's a gentleman, right? He's not going to force things upon people. He's going to ask permission of people to do things. Jesus wants people's permission. He wants them to be willing in these things. He's a gentleman. He he actually, he's not going to presume things as well. He's not going to be presumptuous. He's going to ask people to own what they want. And so he asked the question. And it's very empowering for those people that the ball is really in their court. What do you, this is Jesus asking, what do, what do you, we want to see? Do you notice what he's doing there? 
There was a homeless man I found out about this week. He, he came, to, came to us, he was in the plaza at 6.30, about 6.30 around the plaza area. And uh, someone rang me and alerted me to that uh, as we were praying in the men's group. And then as I went to go uh, back home, I thought, I'll, I'll have a look around there now. But I thought, what should I do when I find this guy? And I thought, I've got to ask him this question. What do you want me to do? Because I could presume all sorts of things or come up with all sorts of clever ideas. But isn't it very empowering to ask someone? Isn't it giving them dignity and worth, asking them? You know, it's not a blank check, and I'm not going to do everything he asked me, and, I, and you've got to measure some of those. But it's empowering, isn't it? And Jesus here, we're told at the end of the story, he has pity, he has compassion. That's where that word comes from, compassion. He has a heart response, and he has a hand response. He heals the guy. He places his hands upon these guys and heals them immediately. Two men's lives are transformed. They're changed for life. They follow him. And off they go following him. Well, ministries that transform lives and change lives, um, often a very physical way, we see what I call mercy ministries, or you may have heard of mercy ministries. Uh, some of them recently that I've been reminded of is the one was very apt, Christian Blind Mission. Have you heard of that one? CBM, Station Sponsors of Vision, I think. That's where I maybe heard it. Uh, you can check them out a little bit on cdm.org. And they were founded apparently in, eight, in 1908. And what they're aiming to do is to improve the quality of people with disabilities in in disadvantaged communities and that's where their real heart is at that's what they're doing i've got a calendar of this before has anyone received a calendar before you may have got a, a calendar before cbm anyway i've been introduced to another one recently which i'd call a mercy ministry uh, feeding the hungry thank you brother hey you introduced me to that one recently they do work in mainly in african nations uh, often uh, as the name goes, feeding the hungry with the love of Jesus. You probably know others. Uh, there's the Mercy Ships. I heard of them recently. I think a new uh, ship has been added to the fleet. I think I was hearing the story of that on Vision 2 when I was just tuning in this week. All sorts of good things were coming to me. Um, and you might know of them. Again, do often work in Africa nation as well, African nations and the ships, and I think even you would include Dulos in one of those ships, wouldn't we, Tim? Yeah, and some people have been upon those ships as well, and even relatives on one of those ships. Yes, the Helia's daughter. One that might be closer to us, and we're thinking of in terms of um, our denomination, Baptist Care runs Hope Street, and if you don't know much about them, some of the great work that they're doing, uh, with DV families and with people who are financially marginalised, with nil loans and other things that they are doing. There might, there's lots of them. And you might be able to share some with me in our time over Mercy Ministries that you've been involved with or know. But I want us to focus in and think about us at ABCH, a ministry to the marginalised and uh, particularly thinking about this. Now, recently, I suppose we've done that in our temporary evac centre we had here, 
and in the flood families that we've been involved with. Um, I'll be visiting, and hopefully me and Tim will be visiting one of them this week in Keene Street, as they need some building advice and um, thinking about some work that they need to do. Uh, others recently, there has been a homeless man here who found shelter with us for a little bit and who, who found um, not only shelter, but he found a shower as well, a hot shower and some friendship here, a friendly face in Deb and spending time, a little bit of time with him. Um, you might notice there is a little bit more homeless people in our, in our region. Have you noticed that? In our city, in our town, whatever we call it, suburb. Obviously, we don't normally have that. that. That's a little bit new for us, isn't it? But it has been a little bit more raised at this time. Samaritan's Purse, as Mary mentioned as well, Mercy Ministry, on whom they're having mercy around our area and the teamwork, you can hear more of what they're doing. The Pod Community, and we're currently in conversation with New South uh, North Coast Housing and possibilities of how we can actually maybe a demonstration of how we can welcome those people into our community, whether we were able to you know, put on a barbecue or something for them. Uh, keep thinking of those ideas or what the Lord might be putting upon your heart or pressing upon your heart. But I wanna, really want to give us time now just to think about where the Spirit is leading. Last week was Pentecost Sunday and we thought about the Spirit and the Spirit's coming, but how is the Spirit leading us right now as a church family or leading you as an individual follower? What is the Spirit saying to you about mercy ministries and ministry to the marginalized? What would Jesus say to you? Who would Jesus identify as those that are marginalized in our community and those that are needing our care, our support? our heart and our hands. Well, as you think after that, let's pray as we finish our time and see what Jesus and his spirit has for us. Will you pray with me? Lord and Holy Spirit, we want to thank you. Thank you so much that you are so gracious to speak into our life. You have words for us this day and we want to take them seriously. It's a serious business when you're speaking and so we want to listen. And we ask, Lord God, that you will actually allow us to see, remove blind spots and help us to see those that are marginalized in our community those that are needing us to be your hands and your feet. Lord God, we want you to strengthen us to do that work. We want you to strengthen us to be those faces to those people that you, Lord and Holy Spirit, are placing upon our heart right now. And if there's new things that you are bringing to us, Lord God, if there's new things or new ideas, new ministries that you want us to take part in, show us. Lord God, we invite you to show us. And we ask you to help us to make the changes that we might need. 
to do the things that you are calling us to because listening to your voice matters. You are our Lord. You are our Master. And those men called out, Lord, Master, have mercy upon us. Lord, thank you for your mercy upon us that you were willing to give all for us. And that you've bring us, brought us the news of Jesus and his forgiveness and your grace. We pray that we may think after your grace and your mercy and that you may change our hearts. We ask and pray this in your name. Amen. We'll go praising the name of Jesus, but let me leave you with these words as our benediction. To him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Give me a louder amen than that. Good, we'll go in his name. You have a little bit of extra time. Our kids are still right for that. But please spend that time sharing about what the Spirit has been putting on your heart. There's a warm drink that you can gather together and gather around. But God bless you and God keep you. Amen.